welcome back to Founder Friday. I'm Stuart Knights and I'll be your host for this new season. I'm also one of the co-founders of Canopy, the community for entrepreneurs and innovators all over the world. Uh, it's wonderful to, to be back and in the chair looking after this series and thank you for joining uh, as we interview Michael Calver today. So he's an early stage founder who's on a journey to build a unicorn and he's been he's come through the Found with University Launchpad program where I'm involved as an EIR and uh, I actually teach as an academic on the Masters as well. So it's been great to meet him and see some of his journey and it's wonderful he's been able to share it with us today. I think some of his reflections are really interesting, particularly as he's at that stage where he's launched an MVP, he's seeing it in the hands of real users and he's in the process of raising his seed round of about 1.5 million. It's a great chance for first-time founders particularly to see what is a year or two ahead of where they are now and kind of reflect on what he has struggled with and how he's addressed certain problems. So thanks as always to our sponsors who've helped make this possible today and that's High Yield, um, that's uh, Boardroom Advisors and that's Damia Group. And if you get a chance to go and show some love and support for those sponsors, really appreciate it. It's with their help that we keep this podcast series going. Fantastic. We're back with a new series of Founder Friday. And I'm really pleased to say that our first uh, interview is with Michael Calver from Amutri. Welcome, Michael. Great to have you here. Thanks to you. It's awesome to be here. And obviously, we know each other through Falmouth Launchpad, and there's going to be a demo night there on December the 7th. But you're not taking part, are you? Because you're a little bit further on than most people. Uh, yeah, I'd love to, but yeah, yeah, not this time. No, fantastic. And uh, I guess the best place to start, really, is just help everybody understand what you're working on at the moment. What is Amutri? Absolutely. So we're building a uh, first of its uh, kind of products that lowers the entry points to 3D visualization. So for those of you listening who aren't already experts, 3D visualization forms a crucial part of the design, marketing and sale of the world around us. It really enables architects to win more work and design spaces and places that meet the expectations of end users. The other issue is that it's incredibly complex and expensive to create content. It takes years to master, and there's significant financial investments in specialist skill sets and on-premise IT hardware. Ultimately, Amutri automates the whole process, and it's the first uh, products to the market that provides a simple path to 3D visualization. This means that architects and designers can present ideas and designs with stunning visuals without having to spend days or weeks creating content, and therefore win more work, design faster, and meet clients' expectations and user expectations. That's a huge thing. All right, I can tell you just got back from Slush and you've had to tell people that a lot of times. <laughs> That's 25 pitches in two days. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of practice. Yeah. Fantastic. So if I put it in like my speak, it's when I looked at it for the first time, it's basically you're taking very uh, very architect-like drawings, two-dimensional mm-hmm. stuff. You're turning it into something that looks very much like I'm going to walk through it in a games environment. I mean, I think you're using the Unreal Engine in the back of all this, right? So, And, and suddenly there's this 3D visualization, whereas an architect will, or most importantly, as a kind of commissioning person, you can step in, you can walk around, you can see everything, but you're doing it incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. And that means that we can make changes and look at those things incredibly fast and we can share them with people and we can get them all engaged incredibly well, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's taking sort of 3D visualization and virtual reality and all this awesome emerging tech and just making it super low entry points, cost effective and super fast, uh, which, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of the sort of barriers to entry that I've noticed over the last few years. And we hope to, yeah, just provide a, a fictionless barrier free entry point to all this awesome stuff, really. Now, we'd known each other for a while, but I didn't fully get what you did until 
we did this stuff in Lisbon um, with the executive MBA class and and those people from Disney were basically the people that you were aiming for, right? And in this open innovation forum, they stood up and said, this thing is game changing. It absolutely blows my mind. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it, right? <laughs> now I understand because I'm not your customer. Right? I'm not an architect. I'm not somebody who has to worry about hotels or buildings or whatever. So yeah, it was really interesting to see their faces and it was the emotion in their faces as well. Like, because you, you talk about tech, but they were like, this is my job and you've changed changed my job by what you do right it literally makes my job better to use your tool and I was like wow that's that's pretty special right that's not just geekified that's that's good absolutely yeah it's, uh, it was awesome validation for us as well and yeah but we're looking for us getting those guys on board in the next couple of months really we've just released uh, a mutually and uh, started to onboard our first few hundred uh, adopters so looking forward to welcoming them to the product yeah it's exciting stuff all right now for anybody listening what is the url that they need to go to if they want to try this stuff out and see if it really yeah so it's www.amutri.com you can just go ahead and sign up uh, you can get 30 days free access um see how it works see how it doesn't work and uh, let us know and we'll fix it as soon as possible so it's amutri.com mm-hmm. okay and we're also about to uh, sort of three quarters away through an investment round. We're hoping to close it out in January. So if there's any investors listening, uh, we're certainly keen to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Michael. Always be selling. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So um, stuff like this, as I say, I'm, I'm not your target market. I know some people that are, but this is quite specialist, right? What, what has been your inspiration for this journey? How did it all begin? Yeah, it's uh, pretty much started uh, almost 20 years ago. Um, so I've been building over the last couple of decades advanced 3D visualization and simulation capabilities across various industries such as Formula One and automotive, architectural design, aviation. The list goes on. And in doing so, I really helps to pioneer the use of gaming technology for non-gaming applications across many industries, um, which is something I'm really sort of passionate about. Um, whilst I was successful in doing so, I really sort of noticed the, um, that each of the technologies and products uh, that underpin this incredible technology of 3D visualization all have incredibly high entry points, all require years to master and um, yeah, significant uh, financial investments. So this means that many people and organizations just simply are precluded from adopting it, which isn't ideal and the rest face significant financial overheads in, 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 in using it. So this already just stifles the successful design, marketing and sale of water bounders. So I thought it would take some years to sort of step out of industry and try and change all of this really with a low entry point product, which is a Mutri, which we're calling the Canva of 3D visualization. So there are other solutions available to produce 3D visuals, but we're offering a solution which is much faster, it's cost effective and enables more people and organizations to adopt some benefits from technology. I mean, is it? did you start this because you were curious or did you start it because it annoyed you that it didn't already exist? Like, what is what is the kind of motivation in there? Yeah, it was frustrating. So um, one of my sort of, um, yeah, I guess, earliest um, experiences of um, just seeing the problem was sort of six years ago when uh, I was working on the project out in San Francisco to um, help to design what is now the most accessible um, office space in the world, um, specifically for those living with uh, sight loss. And um, we kind of saw that vir- uh, sort of virtual reality and 3D visualization uh, was able to form a crucial part of the design process of that space, but was super expensive, super sound consuming. And we couldn't leverage it to its full potential. And then we had sort of similar projects, which all encountered the same problem. 3D visualization is super useful, but it just takes too long and it's super expensive. We can't possibly keep doing this. So 
I saw this problem repeat itself over well, the last six years. And I thought, you know, at this time, sort of third startup uh, along the line, I would just focus on this problem of um, the super high enterprise of 3D visualization and just enable more people to adopt it and save some money for those already using it, which kind of means that I can use it to um, essentially with more success. So uh, by making it faster, it doesn't oh, it obviously makes it more cost effective, but it also means that companies can um, leverage it in different ways. So it can be used to sell pieces of plan. It can be, be used to design more accessible, more inclusive spaces and places. And the list kind of goes on. So I'm really interested to see the use cases of 3D visualization once we make it much faster. And we ultimately democratize the whole technology space. It's kind of exciting. I like the way you've kind of tied that in a sort of uh, Canva approach, because I, I think where they started was the disruption around Adobe, right? And just that it was is expensive to access. You tend to need specialist skills. It was frustrating to get stuff done. And what they wanted to do was empower the everyman to, to democratize it to every level and to make it cheaper to access and actually easy to do stuff. So even I can create reasonably good looking social posts or good presentations or whatever, even with my lack of creativity and my DNA um, for visual stuff. And, and yeah, it's quite an interesting parallel. So, so how 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 big a kind of frustration was this for you? I mean, how much have you committed into doing this in terms of time and energy? And you know, what 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 has how much have you been driven to do this? Yeah, um, I will say with uh, Amitri, uh, I've pretty much gone all in on this business. So, um, yeah, I've had to derail a lot of my life uh, and existence, uh, personal life, um, and sort of invest myself pretty much pull myself entirely into this business to make it work really. So that's in terms of product design, development, raising funds. So um, yeah, I would say the frustration is, uh, yeah, it's huge. Um, and I've seen this frustration shared by pretty much every single person that I've worked with over the last 20 years. So uh, I thought, well, this has to be, you know, this has to be um, something that we can fix uh, without hopefully too much um stressed uh, i was wrong it's taken way more stress than i've ever imagined but um we have essentially uh, an mvp online which is delivering value it's automating 3d visualization so yeah we're kind of we're almost there we've, we've got an mvp online we're getting feedback and all, all feels pretty good right now but yeah it's been a huge investment of energy time uh, sacrifice yeah the list goes on <laughs> well, that segues really nicely into my, my most important question for today in terms of what are the kind of lessons, if you've got two or three lessons that you can reflect back on and say with the benefit of hindsight, do you know what, I've really learned these the hard way? Yeah, goodness me, absolutely. And I think sort of the first one that comes to mind is to build resilience in, in different ways. So, you know, physically and mentally, I would say uh, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, without a doubt, this is something, something like it's you need to be well and uh, physically fit and mentally alert for a long time. So definitely, um, you know, find a flow that works for you, you know, eat healthy, uh, maybe look at an exercise routine. Meditation can help. Um, but I just think mental and physical health really need to be looked after. Um, I also the hardships in entrepreneurship I sort of really talked about. Um, you know, you really take a mental and physical beating for the journey. Um, it's a lifestyle, not a job, I would say, and it depends a lot and sometimes doesn't give a lot back. Um, you know, you really have to have a thick skin to endure all of the stress and uh, unpredictability that comes with entrepreneurship. And uh, I guess the second one would be to, you know, sort of stay true to your vision. You know, um, we're part of a pretty large ecosystem. And I would say that advice is great, but too much action of advice can be destructive. I would say just cherry pick advice and maintain your North Star, really. Um, 
I'll <laughs> just say maybe just, you know, absolutely validate as soon as possible, you know, early and often, um, you know, build, measure, learn. I think I say those three words at least 10 times a day. Um, you know, build something robust and sufficient to get feedback iteratively, you know, move from there. Um, you know, and make sure this is all built in some sort of tech stack that is scalable and, and, and stable. Um, so that ultimately becomes the foundations for whatever your product becomes. So that's kind of the top three things. So what sort of things, I mean, you mentioned the, the physical and mental well-being. Have you got any things that you personally have chosen to do to keep yourself together? Absolutely. So I, yeah, but obviously a pretty, uh, maybe obsessive, but uh, slightly, uh, well, it has been useful, uh, sort of uh, healthy eating regime. So just cutting out um, kind of as much uh, you know, sugars and alcohol, that sort of thing from uh, daily intake. Um, Can I just check from a personal perspective, coffee still in there or not in there? Where do you, where do you stand on the coffee I, thing? I will say coffee is my one vice. It really is. I, I, okay. I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't function without it. That, that is the one thing that I have to have a constant influx of, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely exercise helps. I find it sort of resets me mentally every day as well. Um, it just means that, um, yeah, I'm. I think it's. I think sort of physical well-being facilitates mental well-being, and that all facilitates a healthy startup and um, yeah, and success hopefully. Okay. Very good, very good. How do you find the time for all of this? One of your lessons wasn't how to manage time, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Speaking as somebody who ends up sacrificing the healthy eating and the exercise stuff for all the other things that go on, yeah. how do you manage to balance all that? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think, I think things that sort of time sort of boxing kind of helps. Um, I think it's been hyper-organized and just working, you know, a week or two uh, ahead of yourself, really. So just having the weeks laid out and uh, um, super-organized, Um I find that, yeah, um, yeah. You have, I think you have to sort of dig deep sometimes and find energy just to sort of keep on, sort of keeping it on. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's almost like you know, with exercise, it's it is it's an investment of time, but it pays back in dividends. So yeah, I put like an hour, maybe an hour and a half a day into the routine, but actually that gives me way more back than I'm putting into it. So a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you find time to exercise? I'm like, well, how don't you find time? It's really it's it's, it's worthwhile. It really helps. <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm always looking for the diagonal asset approach where I can do one thing and achieve multiple outcomes. So I do a lot of driving and travel every week, which means I do a lot of podcasts and, and then I do a lot of thinking. So I get three things done at the same time. But I can't exercise very easily in the car. You got any tips for me? Like, is this something I should be doing? <laughs> I can't really carry a dumbbell while I one hand. Yeah, that could be, yeah, that could be quite, quite dangerous, right? That's a good point. Um, yeah, I guess if you're, goodness, yeah, if your entire free time is traveling, that's actually that's, that's challenging, isn't it? Really, um, goodness, what can you do? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you have time to obviously to, uh, walk, take longer routes, avoid public transport, and walk instead. That sort of thing could help. Yeah, maybe I do, I do try and embed it a little bit. Yeah, and I do yeah. make myself go for like even five, ten minute walks in the middle of the day. Just, just <laughs> yeah. if there's a little break, I just get get out of the building and walk around a bit. But interesting. All right. So you've mentioned a lot of stuff there around stress and commitment and time management and stuff. So uh, one of my questions I love to ask in these in these Founder Fridays, and I'm so glad to be back, kind of uh, hosting the series again. It's like, mm. why have you made the crazy decision to be a founder and an entrepreneur and a solo founder at that? Right. So you could get a great paycheck. You were getting a great paycheck, right? You literally gave up a great paycheck to do this. Why are you so nuts, man? Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I guess that's a question for my therapist, I guess. But I think um, um, in terms of entrepreneurship, I think from my point of view, you know, if successful, 
it is the most sort of direct and impactful way to create positive change and achieve enough financial freedom to sustainably keep doing this. So we personally sort of provide sufficient autonomy to develop and execute a vision of almost any kind. So it could be, you know, a tech startup, a small to medium-sized enterprise, or a community interest company, whatever it is. I think entrepreneurship really enables us to action our dreams and visions, really, like, like anything else. And I mean, you're at Falmouth Launchpad, right? You, you've seen a lot of founders come and go while you've been there in the program and during this phase. Do do you see them thinking the same about it, or you know, what, what other viewpoints are you coming across? No, it's interesting. I think uh, there's a lot of uh, there's mixed uh, ambition, uh, which is interesting. Um, it's yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So uh, I see a lot of founders. Um, so I've come here without maybe experience in startup, um, without an awareness of what is possible with startup and entrepreneurship. So it's sometimes interesting to see them sort of start here with maybe a slightly smaller scale ambition, which is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with with that. But it's kind of interesting seeing the guys uh, become, uh, I guess, aware of what is possible with entrepreneurship and watch them try to uh, sort of reach for that really. It's, it's fascinating. Do you, do you have other people in your family who are entrepreneurs or people that you, you know around you in your peer group and stuff? No, I'm certainly the first in my family to, um, yeah, um, go to university to, to do any, any, any of those things, really. Um, first of the business. So, yeah, I'm not actually sure where it's coming from. Um, but I'm very thankful that I have, yeah, I guess that sort of North Star sort of drives me to what to do, really. Yes, I'm very thankful. I mean, is there something you can point to in your childhood or your background where like some seed was sown towards this? Or did you just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to be kind of crazy and start my own company? Yeah, um, I would say, yeah, I didn't really start kicking until uh, I really started working in the industry. Um, it took me a few years to, I guess, master what I was doing, which was 3D visualization, uh, which is what we're trying to ultimately with the Mutri. And quite quickly into doing so, I kind of realized that the current way of doing things isn't quite right. Um, and then it took me a, a decade of um, trying to fix it in different ways, in different organisations, in different industries. Um, and I sort of stepped out of um, full-time employment, um, some really high-profile companies about, what was it now, about eight years ago. And so it was my first startup, which was semi-successful. The second one was really unsuccessful, unfortunately. And uh, the third one, I had the third time lucky with the Mutri, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully reach for the stars, fingers crossed. Do you, feel, do you feel like you started it because it was a great way to kind of accelerate your career? Or do you feel like you started it because you were you just couldn't find another way to solve the problem? So it just needed you to, to kind of step up? It's definitely the latter. Um, I just felt there was no other way. I just, yeah, I didn't feel there was a way whilst working to build somebody else's company or somebody else's dream to solve a problem that I noticed and experienced for many years in the industry. Um, it did take me a little while to sort of realize that entrepreneurship and startup specifically is, uh, you know, uh, essentially a road to achieving that. Um, but yeah, I got there eventually. That was back in 2015 and I've been trying ever since. And how do, how do you feel when you go to somewhere like Slash and you meet yeah. some incredible people, right, all over the place, like who are doing things 20 times bigger than any of us have ever done and other people yeah. that are just starting out. How do you feel with all this stuff around you now? Yeah, I feel truly inspired and, yeah, extremely thankful to be around them, really. The energy and at events like Slush, it's just intoxicating. Um, yeah, I would love to, uh, 
yeah, spend more time around uh, those people, really. It's it's fascinating. But um, I think it's, it's certainly something to, I guess for me personally, it sets my sort of benchmark, really. It sort of uh, keeps raising that uh, every single time I go to Slush, really. It's, it's a fantastic event. And, yeah, just um, engaging with startups who have successfully raised several funding rounds and how they've done that. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. And it's also helped with a little bit of validation as well. Obviously, we've engaged with investors there. And um, yeah, it's, it's been super helpful for us just to understand the first time that we went to Slush, to understand what investors are looking for uh, in startups and how, you know, and the second time, which was this time, we sort of went back with everything that they've asked for and said, hey, you know, this is it. We've, we've built it. It's deployed. We have some traction. Do you want to invest? That must have felt good to actually go back prepared, right? Absolutely. Do you feel for, well, you feel going to somewhere like Slush is important or do you think it's just basically a party, an excuse for a party? Yeah, I'm really sort of selective with events because time is so sparse, but uh, Slush is the one event um, that I feel like I just must go to, especially as a startup looking for funding, uh, as, as well. What startup isn't looking for funding, but um, it's almost for me like startup Christmas. It's like the one thing you just have to attend and sort of go to and, uh, and, and be a part of. Um just engage with a lot of investors at Slush. Um, it's kind of an expectation that all startups that are currently raising should attend Slush, and if they're not, then are they even you not know, taking it seriously? Which is interesting. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know whether to subscribe to that thought process, but that is a common theme at Slush. Yeah. And I mean, it's 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 kind of strange reflection that the Slush is basically a big place to get everybody together, but entrepreneurship can be quite a solo sport yeah. so why do we all then rush to a place to hang out together yeah. i mean obviously i don't go to slush i went to web summit and i wouldn't go to two such things <laughs> in the same month but yeah you got any thoughts on that that's interesting i mean um i've also from just uh, watching most of the startups i think everybody is still very much isolated even at slush uh, yeah everyone's in the same space physically but mentally they're still very much um isolated from each other so everyone's very much in their own worlds and chasing investors and uh, yeah it's kind of interesting but um I mean, there's kind of a, an after party where everyone sort of comes together, but um, generally Slush is very, it's, even though there's thousands of people there, it's still very isolating, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it feels like maybe we should be doing a canopy demo night on the fringe of Slush as well as a web summit, right? Thanks, yeah. So, so one question this sort of leads me on to before we get towards the, the close of our chat today, and it's been great, by the way, to, to have this opportunity to talk things through with you. Thanks for making time. It's... um. The co-founder journey, like, can you tell people what sort of journey you've been on as looking at co-founders or even thinking about having a co-founder and, and why you've ended up as a solo founder? Yeah, it's interesting. So I did sort of trial about six or seven co-founders with Mutri. Um, I just found it really difficult to find uh, co-founders with the right skill sets, uh, with, with the right work ethic at the right point in their lives to commit to a startup. I mean, it's, it is quite a unique set of um yeah skills experiences and, and circumstances really with, with that timing piece right yeah, is that what timing. you're saying like the right timing yeah. in, in their lives yeah. that's the one yeah timing is super important and um yeah i did have founders where if it was a different point in their life and a different time in their life it would have been suitable but they just couldn't commit unfortunately so um i ended up yeah essentially uh, moving forward uh, as a solo founder, uh, raised enough funds to bring in the most incredible team, um, execs and um, developers, um, customer success specialists, sales specialists and beyond. And um, yeah, very thankful, thankful uh, to find those people really. So um, yeah, found an exec team who 
yeah, with the right skills, with the right experience, it's also the right time as well for them, which is fantastic. And they act almost like co-founders, which is absolutely perfect. So, uh, I mean, you, you make these reflections, but you've been part of a venture studio program as well, right? So you would have thought that lots of people would have been arriving into the venture studio with skills and experience and timing kind of aligned. Mm. But yeah, you've been through six or seven of these kind of conversations or iterations and still come out solo founder. Mm-hmm. It, does that say more about you or about them or what? I think it could be both. I, I, I would say that I'm, uh, yeah, I have pretty, <laughs> I, mean, I know I hold quite high standards in myself and for um, team members. Um, it is, I would say that, you know, I'm usually quite a high entry point when it comes to working for the business. And so I think it's really important to build a team that is, essentially you know, it's their team it has to be and uh, with this sort of thing um we have to be smooth fast we have to be in sync you know uh, and, and super organized so i think uh, yeah my ambitions um in this ecosystem to build a high growth startup unicorn essentially was not shared by a lot of the co-founders that i was working with initially um, um i think a lot of those guys might be looking to build I guess, smaller businesses, maybe from lifestyle businesses, which is, again, absolutely fine. But I guess my aspirations was to come here, but a high-growth startup that was going to essentially, yeah, um, create hundreds of jobs and some economic growth in the Southwest, I think, of the UK. Do you really feel like you're building a unicorn? I feel like it, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have made a lot of commitments and sacrifices for this business, and uh, I'm very much all in um, in, in this. So... Um, I know the, the market opportunity is there. Um, we have an MVP, which is the true foundations for a high growth uh, um, SaaS products. It's designed for scalability. It's super robust. Um, it just needs essentially, yeah, an investment and, and, and uh, a stronger market base, basically, which is what we're working on right now. So I feel like all, all the pieces in front of us with customers and collaborators and the problem in the industry, it just needs a little bit of cash to connect those dots really and make it happen. Now, I know you've got somebody who's working with you now in a kind of co-founder model. How does it feel to have somebody who can hold their own? It's incredible. I mean, to actually be able to hand over uh, responsibility um, to a team member entirely and not have to worry about it and it will get done to your expectations or even even greater is, is an awesome feeling. So, um, yeah, I would certainly, yeah, as a piece of advice, I would just say to everyone, just, yeah, try and find those people. Just doers who... You know, if they, say, if they say they're going to do something, they do it on time to a high standard every time. That's super important. And, and do you mind just talking through with people how you met him and, and how that kind of, how you evolved a, a deal structure or an approach with him? You know, don't go into, you don't need to go into any details you're not comfortable about, but just, I think it's a very interesting story for people to understand. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I was um, I, certainly uh, in most part down to yourself, too, actually. So, I definitely thank you for uh, arranging the events and my attendance uh, out, in, out in Portugal. So, yeah, I met my uh, now um, COO uh, out at an event, um, had the opportunity to essentially workshop and um, engage with some exec MBAs, which is absolutely incredible. We got some super useful feedback and endorsements from those guys. And at the same time, we spent a couple of hours um, with uh, when our CEO 
in that team. And he was, yeah, he was blown away by the, the products and the value proposition. Um, and then from that, we just kept in communication. We basically, you know, sort of dated in a, in a startup term for about six months. Um, having tried seven co-founders, I became quite, you know, risk averse. So I had to make sure that. <laughs> I think that's one of the most understated things you yeah. put forward today. Yeah, a bit risk averse. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, having... Uh, engaged with him for six months or so um, it just became super obvious that yeah absolutely perfect for the company absolutely you know on point experience and commitments and work ethic really so it was a complete no-brainer so yeah thanks Jim it's, it's appreciated yeah Awesome. The events we've been running, you know, they bring people together and the serendipity is is the important part. And then you you guys found each other and found the the way forward. That that piece from meeting to the point where you're Commit both committed into a venture is is a very difficult journey, which w- w- none of us uh, canopy really fostered or or uh, made happen for you. You guys found your own path through that. I'm I'm glad the serendipity we brought to you helped. But uh, yeah, it's that moment, isn't it? It's that commitment moment. And and some people, you know, you talked about dating. Some people talk about it being like marriage, etc. But <laughs> it's that moment where you're basically saying our combined forces now are going into this thing. We're both boots in. We're absolutely going to make it happen. And I'm now really going to suffer if you don't do your bit just like you're going to suffer if i don't do my bit so we are like linked now (laughs) it's it's a huge moment right it is do you you think you're a good bad or indifferent co-founder to him Um, i would hope good i hope that i deliver on expectations and yeah i hold myself up to the same standards as everybody else really so i'm not doing something right i would certainly look for constructive Criticism. Uh, I was looking to improve really, so I would, I would love to think that I match in his um, expertise and skills. I would hope. We should get him on in next time. See how Absolutely. it's going. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the closing thing for the first in the new series four of Founder Friday is uh, just imagine you're a first time founder listening to this. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice could you give them? Think of yourself as like a god godparent to this this yeah. fictitious first time founder. Um, what are you going to say? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I think I'll just um, try to, uh, yeah, I would hope to allay any sort of fears and concerns and just say, you know, jump into it. Um, obviously, find resilience, find some cash room ways to sort of make the whole process uh, as at least stressful as possible. But I would really say just from sort of building three startups um, with varying degrees of success, I would say that, you know, I've got no regrets, have no regrets, basically. So, you know, I've certainly not had a, a perfect run, you know, far from it. Um, but I'm a, I would say I'm a kind of a no regrets kind of guy. So, you know, I've learned so much along the way and I've had so many experiences along the way that I'm very thankful for. It's almost a case of um, it's whatever kind of happens with the startup, it's super worthwhile um, experience. Um, they can feed into the next one, really, um, or anything else in life. I just think the learning that you can get out of a startup is second to none uh, in terms of, you know, building a business from scratch, building tech, building the products, recruiting people, building teams, um, taking the products to market, managing financials. I mean, you learn a lot in such a short amount of time because you have to. Otherwise, you're kind of, you know, uh, in, a, in a bad situation. So it's uh, it's an interesting one. It kind of, yeah, it really levels you up, I would say. So I would say have no regrets. Um, go through it and worst case now you're going to have a blast and have some awesome experience for the next thing thank you very much for that really appreciate you kind of sharing your journey with us today and being the first of the new series of Founder Friday look forward to catching up with you when I'm back in Launchpad next week thanks Jim it's been awesome to be here 
joining us for this episode of Founder Friday. Hope you enjoyed the reflections from Michael. Um, to keep in touch with us, please go to Linktree slash Canopy Community and check out all the other episodes of Founder Friday, the how-to shares and the events that are coming up. We really look forward to engaging with you and you're welcome to join the tribe at any point by going to our membership platform that's available through Linktree slash Canopy Community. <laughs>